This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 9th, episode 1058. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge... You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. And we want to welcome Karen Chatton back with this endurance episode, always popular here on Horses in the Morning. Hi, Karen. Good morning. How are you doing, Glenn? Good. And, of course, Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month talking endurance riding and all things endurance. And I wanted to warn everybody that uh, yesterday we started having issues uh, with our Skype did an update. We all we all connect through the system through Skype, and uh, Skype did an update here recently that has just messed it all up, of course, because that's what updates are, do. I, that's what they're supposed to do, I guess, is just mess everything yep. up. Yep. We so, keep getting uh, fucked off. <laughs> I know. Yesterday, it was so funny, Karen. Yesterday, we had a guest on. We were playing a little game and everything, and Jennifer got, uh, got booted off and could get back in, and then I was talking with Jamie to the guest, and then Jamie got kicked off, and then it was just oh, no. the guest and I, and then I got kicked off, and it was just the guest all by herself on the show. So <laughs> she did a good job. Mona stepped up and uh, just uh, talked. So <laughs> so we hope that doesn't oh, happen no. today. <laughs> Mona won an award for, uh, for being a trooper. We're hoping that doesn't happen today, although Karen's already been knocked off a couple times. So we'll we'll do with what we can here on the show and, and the technology as well as it's working here. I don't know why when something is working fine that companies have to break it with an update. I know. <laughs> Skype wasn't broken, you know, and now they've made it so we can't figure out how to do anything on it. I know. <laughs> and I've been using <laughs> Skype for seven years and I and I got this update, and we can't figure out how to do a text chat between us. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and these companies aren't Trial very good by at fire, we, we just got to yeah, jump right in <laughs> to yeah. figure it out. That's right. Well, we're here, so that's that's the important part. Well, Karen, uh, whew, um, holidays are coming up. Are you ready? You got your tree up and your lights? and We are, yes. I did a little bit of decorations. Actually, We've got a really big storm coming that's due to hit the whole West Coast um, from Northern California up to Oregon and Washington. And we're expecting to have like 70 and 80 mile an hour winds in two days from wow. now. So they're telling us not to 
have any decorations outside, we need to put them away <laughs> so that wow. they actually don't end up in the next state over, you know, with that kind of wind. Um, it's going to be a pretty good storm, supposedly. They're expecting Northern California to have a lot of flooding and power outages, maybe some mudslides, stuff like that going on. And, and over where we are, hopefully we'll get a good amount of snow up in the Sierras. We really need it. But uh, those winds are really bad. Now, where you are you're, um, in Nevada there, do you get snow at all? Oh, yes. Yeah. In fact, yeah. last week we got some snow. We were only expecting a chance of showers. And then um, kind of funny how we were out there shoveling those chance of showers. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and it was a nice, heavy snow, <laughs> which was also nice. We really needed it. Um, but it was totally unexpected. The weatherman um, missed that completely, which is, you know, that happens, I guess. So we'll see how correct they are with predicting this storm because they're really telling everybody to batten down the hatches. Now that's, uh, and I see it out in the ocean, actually. It hasn't hit land yet. Um, just looking at the radar. now. And, and most people, when you think of Nevada, you think desert, right? Because we're all familiar with, with Las Vegas. Uh, but where you live is actually over on the western part, almost on the California line, and you're starting to get mountainous over there, right? Right. We're in the Sierras. Um, I mean, I look right at them out my front door, and we're right next to Lake Tahoe. So we're a lot further north and a little bit of elevation, so I guess you could call it high desert. Um, but, yes, we definitely get some weather up here. And um, so, I mean, we're kind of looking forward to it, but except for the winds. That's the part that, that doesn't sound like it's going to be a lot of fun. They're saying it, it's going to be a bigger storm than we've had for a lo- very long time. And how how far are you out of Reno, Delana? Just about 50 miles. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. So Carson City would be the, your closest big city? Yes. Yeah. Yep, the capital. We're just maybe 15 miles from there. Pretty close. And this is why my horses have grown these really super thick, woolly winter coats like polar bears. Right. If they're going to get to use them finally for a good reason. You, you know, the last few rides I've been taking them out on, they come back, and if we get back at, say, 2.30 or 3 o'clock, they're still wet by dark. So, you, you know, it's a lot of extra work this time of year to to keep their coats clean and fluffy so that they work, keep them insulated and warm when the weather does change. Well, you know, you're out there in Nevada, and there's something going on right now not too far from you, a little south of you, and that's in Las Vegas, and it's the National Finals Rodeos going on. I saw some reports. Some of our our friends were heading over on I-40 from uh, L.A. up to there. And uh, they said it looks like a rodeo caravan, just uh, truck after truck after truck of wow. uh, 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 rodeo goers heading up with their trailers and their horses to Las Vegas. So, um, so they're all descending on Las Vegas right now. Have you ever gone down for that? I haven't. I have friends that go and friends that live down there. It's a really big event. I would love to see it sometime. They said you just can't go anywhere without seeing cowboy hats and cowboy boots. <laughs> everywhere in the city is just a sea of cowboy hats. Um, <laughs> and then they said the Christmas shopping is supposed to be unbelievable. Exactly. They have cowboy Christmas or, or whatever they call yep. it. And um, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a, that would be kind of a fun thing to go check out sometime. And Vegas is always interesting. You know, if you're there, go check out, I think it's Fremont Street. 
now where they've really developed that up and there's all sorts of street vendors and entertainment and it's just quite quite the the little bit of entertainment going on down there now we you know we like going to vegas and you don't even have to gamble there's just so much to do there i mean there really is (laughs) Uh, and there even is. right outside of Vegas, Red Rock Canyon, and and heading down to the dam and all that stuff, we we, we we've had a good time every time we've gone. Oh, good. I've had, although I will tell you, I had two, uh, I had two conventions there back to back. This wasn't too long, too many years ago, and I had to go out for two straight weeks, and it was just me. Jennifer was at home. I had two straight conventions. It just happened to be back to back. And let me tell you, two weeks in Vegas got to be a long time. <laughs> yeah. I can handle it for like one week, but when you get into the second week, it starts to get old. You hear ringing yeah. in your sleep. I mean, it's ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Jennifer, what is coming up on today's show? On today's All Endurance episode with Karen, she's got some helpful tips for riding in winter weather, and it sounds like you're going to be making use of those very shortly. Then Kathy Cheese Brown. I said that wrong. It's not Cheese Brown. Cheese bro. Uh, cheese bro. Cheese bro. Thank you. Kathy Cheese bro and Janet Saraver are going to share their story of the ultimate in sharing. And then concluding our long distance romp through the equinosphere, Susie Schumberg is going to outline the AER rule changes that just came into effect this month and will be affecting your life for the next 12 months. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Well, Karen, we had an opportunity, uh, the, the first interview you're going to hear today with the, with the girls with hard names that Jennifer was just trying to do there. Um, <laughs> at 930, we're, uh, we had an opportunity to interview them a little earlier. We, we talked to them last Friday, and you'll hear the interview today. I think that that's my favorite interview of the year, uh, of all the interviews I've done, which is probably, what, a thousand, you know? Um, wow. I think that's my favorite interview of the year just because of the amazing story. It just It is amazing. It's, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get those too often and uh uh yeah, an amazing story with a happy ending. Let's throw that in. Uh we we won't we don't want any spoilers, but it has a happy ending, okay? So uh <laughs> we'll just throw, there's just so much news out there right now that doesn't have a happy ending. So let's uh it's nice to bring one to the table that does. <clears throat> so now Definitely. what have you been up to over the last month? Well, I've been riding my horses. Uh, I've had a friend coming out and riding with me, which is really kind of fun. My horses are getting out to go together, which is something they rarely have ever done, and they really enjoy it. You can tell they they like getting out to you know at the same time. They're both really independent horses because I have ridden them both so much alone. So that's been kind of fun. Um, I've also been riding my bike in order to try to stay in shape this time of year. It's so hard with the daylight being so short. So I'm trying a little harder, putting out a little more effort to try to stay fit. Um, been taking my dogs. We have the four dogs, and they're very active dogs. So we're always taking them on walks and hikes, um, horseback riding. Now we're taking them bicycle riding. Um, we, we've got this neat little thing. It's called a walkie dog. It attaches to your bike, and it's got a spring on it. So if your dog does happen to pull or go a little sideways, they don't just pull you right off the bike, which is kind of a, a, a cool dog. thing. A walkie dog. I've never a heard of it. A walkie dog. 
Well, you just say that to my dogs, and you'll have a whole chorus of uh, happy barks because they love it. <laughs> and um, and I, See, and I, I, always, I always wanted to take our greyhound, uh, but I know that we would both die in a in a wreck, <laughs> um, which is why I've never done it. So you're saying walkie dog? I have to look that up. Yes, it, it works really good, and it was kind of funny, like you were mentioning um, dying. Um, I posted that on my Facebook wall, and of course, you know, human nature, I've got friends that are now telling me about every single person they've ever known that's had a wreck or an accident while riding a bike with their dog, and so they're posting all these, you know, horrific recounts of accidents and wrecks, and my husband saw it, and so he gets on there, and, and his response was, Oh my God! You people ride horses. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Which is kind of right on point because yeah, yeah, horses are probably a little bit more dangerous than a thirty-five pound dog on a you know that's trained on a lead and to heel going with you on a bike ride. So <laughs> now I'm looking at this walkie dog. It looks like it connects to like your seat area. And then uh-huh. it's a rod that actually goes out to the side and the leash comes off of that so that the dog is held out to the side. But that still wouldn't stop the dog from, like, jerking or pulling or that kind of thing, right? Right, but it's got a really strong spring on it so that it uh. absorbs, you know, unless the dog really just takes off. But ours are, you know, we, you know they've gone to obedience classes and, and they've tr- been trained to walk you know, nicely on a lead without pulling. So they've all taken pretty well to going on the bikes. And they just Well, now, is there any way you can carry a little crop along and then when you're going up a hill, <laughs> just give them a little swat and have them pull you up? Uh, we, we probably could. <laughs> I don't know. Kidding, I'm not that people. coordinated. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, that's the thing with the bike is I think I can control my horse better. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know, if well, there's a you, dip in the I mean, road, I know how my horse will place, handle it, but the bike, not so much. <laughs> biking in your place is a little different than biking here in Florida, too. We're all flat. You have mountains. I mean, you seriously have some hills. We uh, do. We do. It's up or down quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> this is interesting. Walkie Dog. I found the website. It's the dog, uh, thedogoutdoors.com has them. So, uh, Walkie Dog plus Bike Leash. 52 bucks. I never heard of that before. I have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, you might try it. it. It actually does work pretty well, and it's a great way to get your dog some exercise. Yeah, but see, the difference between your dog and our dog is yours are trained. <laughs> I don't know that you can train a greyhound, to be honest. Um, as soon as they see a squirrel, it's like, I can see the bike just, just going Just make over. sure you wear a helmet, okay, Glenn? Yeah. My bike does not let me out with that one. She doesn't want to do the show by herself. She said, so. Maybe a safety vest might be in order. Too. <laughs> now you, uh, I saw that you managed to stay in the point standings for this year. Now last year you were where in the point standings? Uh, I was first overall in the region, uh, so we had a great year last year. This year, you know, things don't always go how you plan. You know, with Bo colicking and having to have surgery. Uh, he's only managed to do, you know, because he needed time off to recover and to work back up to it. So he's done, you know, a couple of rides since then, and he's doing really well. But we did manage to stay in the standings with 500 miles um, 
on bow. Chief had 250, so I did 750 total. Um, but by some, you know, just good luck, I guess, we did manage to stay up in the standings, which is kind of cool. Because, you know, if you're not, you know, if you have a goal like trying to be first, that's, you know, kind of cool. Because that doesn't happen very often. But, you know, I'm just happy that I managed to stay in there. You get the same jacket no matter what where you place. So oh, do you get a new jacket every year? <laughs> you do, and I have a lot of jackets. <laughs> yeah, just say if you have a whole closet full. <laughs> I have more than one closet full, actually. <laughs> See, Tammy uh, over on the uh, you know uh, Road to the Horse episode we do every month, the Mounted Shooter, and she gets belt buckles. She has 150 of them on her wall. I could just picture you having closet. Oh, wow. you, you're going to need one of those things like they have at the dry cleaners. Where they, you know, they press the button and it goes, and you can pick out which jacket you want to wear. I exactly. It just depends on you look outside, see what the conditions are, and then kind of go pick one that that fits. (laughs) (laughs) Funny, but you can't throw them out because it's like a prize, you know. So you can't throw it out. It's a trophy. It is, and it's a great memory, especially you know on my other, my first two endurance horses. I still, you know, really. appreciate them and and what we accomplished together so the jackets are a great way to you know kind of remember them and the the years you had and the rides you did and it's all fun (laughs) now your husband doesn't have a closet because of the jackets but that's okay he what's he He gets half of one i give him (laughs) half of one (laughs) now you also i saw had uh some uh you had a physical or something and uh, what was that I about? Did, the blood? They ran yeah. some blood work on me because I told them I was starting to feel tired a lot. Well, it turns out I'm um, vitamin D deficient. So <laughs> they're, they put me on some vitamin D supplements for 90 days, and then we're going to retest. Um, but apparently it, where I live, my latitude this time of year, you even if you're outside in the sun as much as I am, it's, often not enough and actually quite a few of us are deficient and as we get older um, once you reach say 70 your skin can only um, synthesize like 25 percent of the vitamin d it did when you were younger so most of us really should be taking supplements and the only way to really know is to have our blood work tested but I, i thought i would read off some of the common symptoms of being low or deficient in vitamin d so people okay. might say, aha, you know, that sounds like me. So um, starting at the top, one of the, the symptoms is fatigue. Uh, there's general muscle pain and weakness, muscle cramps, joint pain, chronic pain, weight gain, high blood pressure, restless sleep, poor concentration, headaches, bladder problems, constipation, or diarrhea. Also, vitamin D is really important for keeping your bones healthy and for preventing diseases and cancer and stuff like that. So um, I just thought I would mention this for people out there. Um, You know, get your vitamin D levels checked. You have to ask for a specific blood test for it. And if it is slow, it's an easy thing to fix. You can just take a supplement. Um, And like I mentioned, a lot of times just being out in the sun isn't enough because, I mean, gosh, I'm out in the sun a lot. And I was really low. I was like less than half of the low end of normal. So now, have you noticed any difference since you started taking the supplements? Um, it's only 
been about a week, but yeah, I think I've noticed a little bit of difference. Well, you know, a lot of people who have uh, lactose intolerance, because a lot of vitamin D comes from milk, of course, and they're not drinking milk, um, and people on vegan mm-hmm. or, or strict vegetarian diets get this because they're not because a lot of vitamin D comes from fish and fish liver oils and eggs and that grains and dairy stuff. So um, right. they're they're not getting that. That's good. It's something you never think about, right? I mean, did you go in thinking oh, I'm low on vitamin D? No. <laughs> so, uh, I know I didn't realize either. And then once I started looking it up, I mean, there's a a large um, percentage of the population that's low. It's um, a, kind of a widespread thing that a lot of people probably don't really consider, uh, but it is an easy thing to fix just by, t- you know, you can get the supplements. Um, the vitamins my doctor recommended is D3, um, which supposedly works better than D2. And, you know, you go to Costco or any um, drugstore and just pick up a supplement, um, but, you know, it's still a good idea to get checked so you have an idea where your levels are. Well, very good. And now you now we're going to go from a health tip from Karen to our <laughs> monthly endurance tip that we do here every month. And, of course, we're going to talk about uh, riding in bad weather, which you're going to get to practice tomorrow. Now, tomorrow I've you're going to need to strap yourself to the saddle because of the wind. I know. Well, it sounds like it, <laughs> yes. Definitely this, this next few days that we have coming up are probably going to be really gnarly. But, yes, I've had a lot of experience riding in all kinds of inclement weather over the years. So I just thought I'd throw out a few tips for people because, really, it's there's n- never any bad day to ride. It's If you don't have the right gear, then you can be really uncomfortable. But if you've got the right gear, you can almost always have fun riding no matter what the conditions are. You just got to, you know, kind of keep a positive outlook and be prepared. And All so right. later we're also, we're going to talk to Kristen at the Distance Depot in a little bit, and she's going to tell us about these really awesome minus 10 degree gloves and some winter riding tights, which block the wind <laughs> and are great to ride in. Um, so the first tip is to use layers just like with almost any outdoor kind of activities. If you use layers, then it's a lot easier to add or remove them as you go, depending on how the um, conditions change. And if you've ridden in Nevada, you know they can change rapidly. I'm sure a lot of places are like that, not just here. Um, Check out uh, products and gear from other sports, like skiing, especially cross-country skiing, because they've developed a lot of, things that are in the high-tech material kind of stuff that's meant to breathe while insulating and keeping you warm at the same time. If you get a waterproof jacket, try to find one that's got a big hood that's large enough to fit over your helmet, you know, assuming you ride with a helmet, because that's a little bit easier than if you put the hood of your jacket on and then the helmet over it. Um, Then it's a lot more work if you want to put it on and take it off. If you have a hood on the jacket that's big enough, you can just pull it up over your helmet and keep on riding. If it starts raining and then when it stops, just pull the um, the um, hood off. If you go well, to the you dollar can, store... Oh, sorry, say, go if, ahead. You can fit, if you can fit your hood under your helmet, your helmet is not fitted right. Um, right. And, and, and then, yes, it and then it's really tight, and then that 
that'll give you a headache and it's and then you also you really can't hear anything which may or may not be good <laughs> if there's lightning <laughs> you may not want to know <laughs> all right so okay and if you go to the dollar store they have like shower caps and rain caps that you you know you can put on over or under your helmet and just tie them on and and use them to keep your head from getting wet because a lot of times once your head and your feet are wet you're just kind of out of luck you you know that's when you start to get cold and miserable and uncomfortable but if you can keep your head dry and warm and your feet warm and dry then usually you can get through the ride and everything's good Um, one of my um, fun tips which is really easy to do to keep my feet warm and dry if you know the weather changes and it starts raining is I take a one gallon baggie I put it on over my sock put my boots or shoes on over that, pull down the, the bottom of my riding tights, and then just put a, stra- a strip of duct tape around my ankle to seal it all up, and then that keeps my feet warm and dry. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, huh. and, you know, that's not going to really work if it's 100 degrees and raining because then you're probably going to feel hot and sweaty, but for most of the time when it's raining, it's usually a little bit cooler, and, and that works great. I've done rides where it's just poured rain on us for hours, and when I finished, I, you know, peel everything off. Um, the last thing on me that's actually still dry is going to be my feet and my socks because of the, the gallon baggies, and they don't take up so much room that you still usually can't get your foot in and be comfortable so that, that works really good. There's also instant heat packs, uh, hand warmers that you can get, and they make them for your hands or your feet, so you can put them in um, underneath your um, boots and also in your gloves, and that that helps a lot, too, to keep you warm. So I think I'm going to need to find for- some uh, two-gallon baggies for my feet, though, being size 12. <laughs> I don't know that one-gallon baggies are going to fit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Look around for some two-gallon baggies. <laughs> well, you just get it, you know. Yes, get on as get it on as much as you can, and and uh, yeah, they they should probably fit. But yeah, a guy with a really large foot might might have to stretch it a bit. Well, those are some great tips for riding, you know, and they come from experience, a lot of riding outside, so, in all kinds of weather. And Uh, improvising, yes, making do with what you have in order to be comfortable. Well, we are going to continue those tips with Kristen Lacey of Distance Depot, as uh, she's coming on to talk to us a little bit about uh, some different products that help in winter weather riding. Let's talk to her right now. Well, good morning, Kristen. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Karen. Nice to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about it's December, and for most of us listening to the show, it's winter. So let's talk about some winter riding gear, starting with your gloves. Okay. We do have a great winter glove um, by SSG. A lot of your listeners are probably familiar with them. Um, They have a fabulous winter glove called the 10 Below, uh, which has, you know, it's polar fleece lined, and it has a, this glove has actually been redesigned, so it has a synthetic leather backing um, on the back of the hand, which improves their waterproofing, because these gloves are waterproof, 
um, and very warm. You can put your hand right in the water tank and pull out ice or get in the hay feeder and remove ice and snow and your hands stay dry and warm. And they're fabulous to ride in too. They sound great, especially for my climate. I'm always pulling ice out of the troughs. <laughs> now, so, you, you you tried these? Are they are they are they good to ride in? You know how some gloves are so bulky you can't feel the rain. <laughs> so uh, uh, yes, I I certainly have tried them, and I love to ride in them in the winter because my fingers get very cold. So it's cold here in Missouri. So yeah, <laughs> these are a great glove. Good. Okay, well, let's go on to your um, winter riding tights. You have a couple of different um, brands and styles. Tell us about those. Okay. We, um, a tight that we've had for a very long time that's really popular is the Iridian Wind Pro 3 Season Tight. Um, it is rain, mud, and wind resistant, so it has a mat out, outer, um, outside that sheds the horse hair and hay um, and a real nice, warm polar fleece inside against your skin that keeps you nice and toasty with um, suede knee patches for grip and um, they come in black and we have sizes small through extra large so they fit a wide variety and keep you warm all winter. And I love those. You can go out in really high winds and freezing cold temperatures and be totally comfortable in them. It's just a great product. Yeah, they're a really nice type. A new tight that we've gotten in by, um, from Carrots is called the Power Stretch Winter Riding Tight, and it's terrific, too. It has the same matte outer that sheds the hay and, and hair with um, polar fleece on the inside, but this tight has a great big pocket for your cell phone that zippers closed so you can wear it while you're riding and keep your phone safe and with you. Um, and, and easy uh, to get to, so, you know, it's not buried down in your saddle pack somewhere. That's great. Exactly, yeah, and if you have your phone on your horse and, and you get separated from your horse, you're in trouble, so this is pretty <laughs> This is pretty nice to have your cell phone with you. Yeah, we always tell people, do not put your phone on the saddle. That, that, that's not going to do you any good when you're laying in the snow. That's uh, right. I know, and, and those come in more than just black? Yes, they have. Um, we have it in um, black and brown, otter they call it, um, okay. and again, sizes small to extra large. Yeah, they have nice style. We have another tight from them that's a, a fleece performance tight. It has a nice wide um, waistband for comfort. A lot of people like that. And it matches all of the carrots, bit of, bit of horse um, sweaters and shirts that are out this season, too. So very stylish and, again, nice and soft and warm. Do you guys as endurance riders have kind of a, a temperature that you won't ride below? <laughs> I don't know about Karen. I, I trained in Vermont for a long time, and there were days, boy, I was wishing we had days like, the, uh, uh, you know, some sort of temperature we could go out in. <laughs> I know. But we went out a lot when it was really cold. Yes, and lately I've been, it seems like every day I, I get to go ride, it's been super windy, you know, 40-mile-an-hour gusts, and, and these tights are just awesome for riding in those conditions. But usually it has to be a combination of things, not just cold. It has to be, you know, cold right. and windy or cold and, you know, icy or rainy or or something. Yeah. The horses don't have as much fun if if. Uh, sleet and snow and rain is slamming into them sideways. So that's usually kind of my cutoff for not going, not so much a, a temperature. I agree. I'm I'm pretty wimpy anymore. <laughs> so I go when it's nice out. <laughs> that's a great plan. <laughs> a, 
Okay, and on the front of your website, I see you have 25 days of giveaways. Tell us about those. Okay, well, this year we've decided um, we're giving back to everyone. So for each day that you come and shop with us, you're automatically entered into that day's giveaway random drawing that we're having, and we've given away some pretty fabulous prizes, a matrix saddle pad, a helmet, um, a trailerized horse trailer monitor. We have 25 days of this, and it ends on December 22nd. So come and see our um, homepage, www.thedistancedepot.com, for more details and shop and win. Okay, and t- tell the uh, listeners where your um, website can be found. Uh, thedistancedepot.com, and you can call us toll-free, 866-863-2349. We'll be happy to help. And uh, what's your cutoff for Christmas? Um, the last day for ground shipping, if I'm not mistaken, will be probably about the 22nd. We meet, uh, reach most customers in about three business days. So, okay. Um, now, inclement weather and UPS being very busy, order early to be sure you'll get your gifts on time. And it's free shipping over $100 under 10 pounds, right? That's correct. Okay. Terrific. And I know that you could get a couple pa- pairs of the carrots breeches for under 10 pounds. So. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks, Thank you, Kristen. Glenn and Karen. Have a nice Christmas and a happy new year. You too. You too. Okay. Get back to Bye-bye. packing now. Go pack boxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, why don't you introduce our next interview that we did pre-record? We got this one done last week because they weren't available early this morning. And uh, as I said earlier in the show, this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done all year. So, let's. Uh, why don't you introduce them? Okay, we have. Uh, two distance riders that they met through um, riding horses, and their love of horses turned into the gift of life. This is a really neat story. Janet uh, Sarver and Kathy Cheesebro. Well, good morning, Janet and Kathy. We appreciate having you here on the show. Uh, Let me start uh, saying hello to Kathy. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great this morning, Karen. How are you? Good. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your you know your riding. How long have you been involved in distance riding, and, and a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been involved with distance riding for probably a little over ten, eleven years. Um, kind of got into it by accident, but found it was exactly what I needed. I found out I had a need for speed, <laughs> and um, primarily riding in the Midwest, and um, off and on. Not consistent every year, but definitely off and on for like the last 11 years. And right now I'm currently riding a little black Arabian cross mare that is primarily Egyptian bred and mm-hmm. was a rescue. And oh. she is a little dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Egyptians often are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they have good recoveries, though. <laughs> boy, does she ever. <clears throat> I don't know if my recoveries are as well as hers, but <laughs> she, is, she is quite the gem. Okay, let's go over to Janet. Hi, Janet. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. And let's uh, hear the same from you. Give us a little background on your riding history and your horse and stuff like that. Well, I've kind of done endurance twice. I, I first started... Oh, back in 
1993 when I was a graduate student, and I had a rescue Arab that um, was just a great Arab and uh, was looking for something to do, and my trainer suggested endurance riding. Um, Up here in the Midwest, we have um, a division called competitive and um, distance riding, and it's like a 25 miles, and so we competed with that for a couple years. Then I took a almost, I would say, probably a 10-year break. I had two children and got my career going. Then I bought a two-year-old, trained him up, hoping that he could eventually get up into uh, 50s, which I did want to do. So I came back into the sport again in the fall of 2009 and kind of brought him up pretty slow and we did our first year of 50s in 2013, the same year that Kathy and um, her horse LB were doing them. And how did you and Kathy meet? Well, we met through mutual friends. We all tend to go to the same rides. Kathy's from Wisconsin, but pretty close to the Minnesota border. And so we do tend to go to similar rides in Minnesota and Wisconsin and we would run into each other, and then we started having mutual friends. And a couple times we would pair up on a ride and and then kind of go our own ways. But then last year, uh, 2013, we both had a goal of moving up to endurance and just ended up riding together most of the season and found out that our horses were really well matched and they just fed off each other really well. And so we developed a group of friends and hung together at every ride. Wow. Okay, Kathy, give us a little um, history on describing what happened with your health starting last fall. Excuse me. I was actually diagnosed with kidney failure close to 11 years ago, but was told through diet and uh, drinking a lot of water, I could manage it. And the nephrologist, which is a kidney doctor, had a goal of 10 years before we needed to start talking about kidney transplant initially. Mm. After several years of managing and maintaining just fine, he said to me one year, well, you keep going like you're going, and we're just gonna, we're not going to even talk about kidney transplant. So <clears throat> I just kept moving, going forward, and the winter of 20... Well, last year, the winter of 2013, mm-hmm. I could just sense that something was terribly amiss because I had no energy. I didn't want to even, had no interest in the horses, and that's a big red flag right there. Right. And when I had my spring checkup, he, uh, he told me that, well, we made our 10 years, but now we have to talk transplant things have taken a sudden turn, and it's going very quickly. So I put a uh, a note out on Facebook to friends and family and asked people to consider becoming a donor, if not for me, um, if we couldn't find a match, at least consider it and give the gift of life to someone else, just because of the fact that the waiting list for a cadaver donor currently is between three and five years. Oh, wow. But if you have a live donor, it can be done at any time. So um, 
put the note out there, and the donor side and the recipient side uh, are kept separate. They don't talk. The sides don't talk to each other until um, there is a definite match. So, and, and were you, were you on dialysis this whole time? No, I hadn't gotten that. Okay. Hadn't okay. gotten to that point, um, but it was fast approaching. Okay. So. <clears throat> You know, I, I'd heard from friends and family who had said, well, they they hadn't been approved. So my thought was, well, whatever comes along is the way it's going to be, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. And then one afternoon, um, I was finishing up with some chores, and the phone rang, and it was Janet. And we just chit-chatting about stuff, and, and all of a sudden she says, oh, and by the way, we're, I can be a direct donor. We're a match. Wow. Janet, and oh, by the way, on that phone call? <laughs> oh, by the way, before we hang up and I go make dinner. Uh... <laughs> yeah, she just casually slid it in there. And the tears I like you, Janet. Were, were, were immediate. <laughs> Kathy, did you, like, drop the phone? Um, no, because I was afraid she would hang up. <laughs> Change your mind. Sometimes <laughs> I've heard Kathy's Kathy speechless. I think. Well, wow! And Very Janet, true. what? Janet, what? What inspired you to go and get tested? Um. Well, it's really. It was actually. Um, actually, happened during a horseback ride of all things. Um. I hadn't. I'd. I'd seen Kathy at like the awards conventions and stuff, and I didn't know. I didn't know that her health was going down. We don't live, we live probably hour, hour and a half from each other and don't really connect with each other except during rides just because of our distance and our jobs. But um, I didn't really know until I, I, don't, we, I think we had, I'd seen her, I knew at a, um, a ride that she wasn't feeling well. And then we went on just, we met some friends at a local park and, I came by just to ride with them and Kathy and I went out on just a trail ride and she was talking to me how, you know, exhausted she was and how she, um, her energy was really just going down from her kidneys, not doing well. And she explained to me about getting on the list and kind of what her future would look like and, and just her, her sorrow at thinking that she would have to give up this sport and even riding because, you know, we we had only, we only went out for I think she had gone out in the morning, but then in the afternoon, you know, normally like last summer we would ride for ten hours and not think anything of it. And you know, even after mm-hmm. you know forty minutes, it was she was exhausted. And I just remember, and it was a beautiful day, and the the prairie was just blooming in this park, and I just I just I couldn't bear the thought of her not being able to ride. I, I just, I just knew how much fun we had had last summer competing and riding with each other and how much joy she got out of her horse and endurance riding um, and the challenge of it. And I just, I, I just couldn't not try to, um, to see if I would be a match because you just don't know. I mean, I didn't even know what my blood type was. I was literally totally clueless oh. about the entire process. So, so I just felt a pull on my heart. I just it had 
very little of anything to do with me because as a person, as because I've never even even thought of it before. Because obviously there's mm-hmm. a, a huge need, but when it came and touched me to somebody I care about and through a sport that we just would live for, I just felt I needed to try. Now, Janet, let me ask you: when you went in and you talked to the doctors and everything. Did they, you know, how do they treat you as the donor? Do they give you all kinds of warnings and, you know, you really know what you're getting into? Do they really talk to you about that? Oh, my gosh. They they are they are a book of uh, walking caution because they want to make sure that they don't know what the person's motivation is for coming in, of course. And so then they walk you through it and make sure that you understand um the steps that you have to go through and there's lots of steps. There's lots of chances for you to get ruled out at each step. And then if you do get approved, then there's all of the process of the surgery and the recovery. Um, So yeah, the university of Minnesota donor program is just amazing. I mean, Ann LaCroyer Smith, the nurse coordinator on my end was just awesome to work with. Um, And they first just basically contact you by phone I mean, I don't, I started the process like late July and didn't even really meet anybody face to face until October. Oh, wow. Because I would just call them and they would have the lab sent to my local clinic and then I would do them and then they would call me with the results and we'd go to the next step. So the first beginning stuff is pretty just some blood draws and very basic and then as you go through a half day of test, then you meet with the social worker, the surgeon, the nephrologist, you meet with your own team and they explain hours of information to you and they send it to you too. You get a disc, you get stuff in writing. So it's very, very thorough. Do you, was there ever a point where you said, any second thoughts at any point? No, absolutely no. not. Wow. Nope. I talked to, after I got the approval from the second set of tests, it said I could be a direct donor because it's not just your blood type, it's also your antibodies. Your, the immunologist has to make sure that even if you look like you might be the same type, that your blood isn't going to be rejected. Well, and I guess um, I got to so make they, sure you're healthy too. I mean, you have to, your kidneys have to be healthy mm-hmm. for this to happen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They do all of that and they do uh, an extended um, immunology test to make sure there's a low chance of rejection because um, you don't want to have to go through all of this and then have the recipient lose it after a short amount of time or get really sick. Um, so then I, you know, told my husband and I wanted to make sure that he was okay with it before I even told Kathy. Um, I've been married for 26 years and I have two teenagers, so we all sat and talked about it and they were all very supportive of it. And then, um, my husband's just like, you know, whatever you want, I'm, I'm there to support you. And we have jobs that are, um, we've been in them long enough that we have, um, enough sick leave accrued that it worked out just fine. Wow. Well, let's go back to Kathy. Kathy, tell us what happened next, and um, when was your surgery, by the way? Uh, the surgery was November 12th. So we spent a full day at the U on November 11th doing all the final testing and the matching just one more time just to make sure that everything was fine. And then they took Janet in first, 
um, and then prepped me later. And once they had it out of Janet and they had to do cleaning and, and rinsing and making sure that it's a healthy organ. And then after that, they opened me up and put it in in my lower right abdominal area. And that was it. They had us both up and walking the very next day. Oh, wow. Wow. How long did it, the surgery take on your side? Both sides took around five hours. Okay. okay. And it, I heard that the recovery time's a little longer for kidneys. Is that true, or or, or have they shortened that now? Uh, well, I'm off of work now for six weeks as six I weeks. recover, and Janet actually goes starts going back to work next week part time. So it is a but, it is a, a period of time for recovery for sure. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's more intensive for Kathy just because she has more testing to make sure that there's no rejection and the medications and that the kidney is working right. For me, my existing kidney works awesome. So my health is just fine except for recovering from the surgery. Right. So having, um, and the, the surgery is done laparoscopic. So these days it is? it's not as long a, yes, it's not as long a recovery no. at all as it used to be when it was, what you would consider more major surgery, so to say, so to speak, at the U of M. They well, yeah, pretty it much used to be a pretty big incision to <laughs> to do it. It used to be, yeah, yeah. and it is for Kathy. Oh. It's a big incision for her, but for me, it's two small ones, literally an inch and a quarter wow. um, on my lower left side, and then the one where they took the kidney out is about three inches just above my belly button. So it's really, you know, you look at your like the doctor. Got his hand in there, <laughs> like yeah, a really yeah. How good, did all I had that a doctor with small hands. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So they do everything laparoscopic. So basically, they're looking at a camera while they're doing everything. That's amazing. You know, putting in the staples and everything that they need to take it out. And basically, my body realizes obviously that there's something missing, but it's still working. The existing kidney kind of. Um, takes on that extra burden because mm-hmm. both your kidneys aren't working at 100% all the time. There's always extra that mm-hmm. they're not using. So it's it's kind of the body has redundancy. It's built in that way. I'm kind of curious, so, Kathy, do they take both of your bad ones out then? The, both no, of they just one? Yep, they leave them in. Oh, is that right? Yep. And I've I guess got, three. Um, you have three. Oh, really? I thought they would remove <laughs> one wow. and replace it, but it's, it's actually left in there. Yep, and uh, now I have a weight advantage for BC. <laughs> <laughs> I have the most important question of all. And by the way, Janet, what a what a thing you did! Uh, but I, Kathy, you can never beat her in another race. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't care if she's three, if you're three miles ahead. You have to fake an injury, get off of your horse, and wait for her to pass you. Just saying. Well, I don't. Oh, no, I would never deprive her of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm riding a little bit heavier, and she's riding a little bit lighter. Lighter. It all works out. (laughs) I don't know. Here in Minnesota, we get pretty fat and fluffy over the winter because they're so darn long. So comes one of the reasons we wanted to have it done in November because it was a pretty quick turnaround from the time we got kind of the approval of the test in, like, late October. Well, mid-October, and I asked for the earliest possible surgery date, 
not only because of the, my job schedule and my personal life, but because we both wanted to be fully recovered so we could start training in spring. We didn't want to have to wait and then be totally out of shape because it, it, it does sap your energy. It's, it's, you know, even laying around for three weeks is in it gradually, you have to gradually work your way back up. So I figure we'll both be starting fat and have fat horses. So we should have an even start for the year. <laughs> they wow. both got a lot of time off last summer. Yes, they did, unfortunately. Well, they stay yeah, in shape be, better than be we do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's, uh, what are your plans? You, I saw on Facebook that you guys were planning on starting writing again this spring. So uh, let's uh, go back to Kathy. To tell us what your plans are for getting back well, on they, a horse. They tell me that I can get back on the horse at a walk in a confined area after eight weeks. So that is my plan. I am going to go over to a friend's house who has a steady Eddie horse and an indoor arena, and I'm going to start riding in her arena in the middle of winter so that I can really focus on getting my strength back and and my my endurance. And then come spring, um, start taking the wild child out and, (laughs) <laughs> and start conditioning her. Now, if I find that she's too strong for me, um, I may need to make a very difficult decision about finding a different different horse. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But that is a concern that I have as I move forward. Because um, mm-hmm. she, is, she is a dynamo. How old but, is she? Uh, uh, she turns... This year. Okay. Well, I hope she works out. I do too because yeah. she's. she's, uh, she's Kathy's worked very hard with her mare. You've done. She's done a lot of training, but she is very much a forward horse. And I know there was a recent Facebook discussion on what kind of horse you would prefer. <laughs> um, my horse, he he is a little bit more of a steady Eddie guy, and um, he's he's a purebred Arab, um, but he is. Um, I think. He, you can put him anywhere at any pace, and he might be a little, you know, get up and go in the beginning, but he loves 50s, and so he settles into them really well. Um, I'm not concerned about that, but, you know, there is some thought. You do have to think about, okay, now I only have one kidney, and Cassie has one that she needs to take care of very well, mm-hmm. so is there anything we need to do as far as training or getting ourselves in shape? and? You know, I definitely, I'm going to give myself probably until after the holidays and then to, because I am supposed to be pretty much on a four to six week recovery myself. I just, um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to back to work part-time. I have an office job. It's not physically demanding. So I thought I would ease back into it and the holidays would give me some breaks too, but um, hit the gym and start getting myself in shape Uh and, um, kind of go from there and probably get an impact vest, which I've not worn before, but it's not a bad idea being almost 50. Right. If I come off and you hit something, yep. it would probably be a good idea to bounce rather than break. Yeah. Airbag would <laughs> yeah. be good, too. Get one of the blow-up <laughs> kind so that you yeah. can just go rolling down the hill like a snowball. Um, that'd be perfect. I well, you guys, I think you're both awesome. I mean, what Amazing. an incredible story. Amazing. Um, congratulations on the successful surgery, and thank you for coming on the show and telling us your story. 
You're welcome. Words well, thank you very express. much. They just, words cannot express the gratitude that I feel for another chance at life. And if by airing this show it motivates someone to look into the possibility of organ donation, um, another life can be saved. And also that's why it is so important, too, when we when we go into the DMV and do our licenses and they ask that question that nobody ever really thinks about before they ask the question about organ donation when, they're get, when you're getting your new license. Uh, you know, we all sort of take it for granted and we say yes or no or whatever, and we don't really think about how important that question is. Um, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very, like I said, it never particularly occurred to me, but I, I know people that, People that have donated to to strangers, you don't have to know the person that you're donating to. You know, the the expectancy for donors is actually better than the general population because most the donors have to go through so many steps to make sure that they're healthy. And there is little to no life effect of giving one kidney. Um, and there's no, um, as far as recovering because of how well the surgeries are these days, like I said, after three weeks, it's a little bit of fatigue, but, you know, I'm up and around and going, running errands and getting my kids to lift heavy things for me, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Put them to work, set the, get the teenage boy out grocery shopping. That's always a good thing to do. So, you know, eating, it's, the family's it's, been eating a lot of pizza, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some days I really did not feel like cooking. The nausea can be a little intimidating after a while, but that's fine. You know, it doesn't take much to – my daughter, she's almost 18, and, and she cooks, and oh. and they've all chipped in and, and helped out, and Kathy's family has been awesome. So um, we're just very, very thankful to have each other. Congratulations to both of you. And, Kathy, you just got the best Christmas present anybody could ever get. So Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you to both. Wow, what an amazing story, Karen. You know, um, we all like to think we would be that person, the Janet there. We all like to think we would be that person. But, boy, you know, it takes some fortitude to do what Janet did. Are you there, Karen? Yes, I'm here. Okay. So yeah, definitely take some fortitude to do what uh, what she did, and uh, you know the and selfless how, act. How of that incredible age. that that they matched, that they were I know. they were a match. What is odd? That's just great. Yeah. Neat story. Well, let's talk a little bit about hoof boots because you know, no matter what time of year you ride, you need to worry about your horses and their uh, the protection of their feet and. You know, I know that you have most of your horses are, are barefoot most of the time, and you use boots, and you use renegade boots. So tell us about those. I do. Renegade hoof boots. They're um, an awesome product made in the United States in Arizona. They come in several different colors. They have a couple of different models. They also have a glue-on version. Um, um, they're very helpful at the factory if you need help, you know, figuring out what size you need or if you're having any kind of issues or, or problems getting them to fit and stuff like that. Um, but they are a really nice product. I'll um, read through some of the colors because colors are important. We can match our tack. They have orange, 
uh, Dragonfire Red, Yellow Gold, Arizona Copper, Burgundy Blitz, Jade Green, Chocolate, which is brown and black. So lots of colors to choose from, a couple of different um, models. And also this time of year, if you need them with studs for riding in the snow and ice, you can order them with studs as well. And you can find more information on Renegade Hoof Boots at renegadehoofboots.com. I got a quick question. How, you know, a lot of the boots have straps and they have wires and you're just not as easy to put on as you would hope. How how are these as far as ease and getting on and off? These are really easy to put on. I can put, lately I've been just putting boots on my horse's front feet when we ride and leaving them bare on the hinds. And it takes me, I mean, less than a minute to get both of the front boots on. And most of that's just um, from picking out their feet to make sure that they're clean. They're super easy to put on and easy to take off. You don't need any tools, no screwdrivers or hammers or anything like that to get them on or off. Hmm. Neat. Well, that is important yes. because, you know, it is kind of a pain. I've used some of the others, and, and uh, you're worn out by the time you get your boots on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it can uh, be. A, it's like a wrestling match sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I'm glad to hear they're not that way, Renegade Hoop Boots. Well, I thought, you know, today, uh, by the way, I wanted to make a side note here is uh, we talked a while back on the show about our friend David Saunders, who was the coachman to the Queen for a long time, is now uh, driving around a new royalty. And today is the day that he is driving the pumpkin coach, which is the one from the new Cinderella movie. Uh, that's coming out. Uh, they brought, they flew the coach over from Europe, and he will be driving it at Magic Kingdom today at Disney World in the parade. They filmed the Christmas Day parade. You know how they always do that on ABC on Christmas Day. They have the parade from that comes from Disneyland and Disney World. Uh huh. Well, they they filmed that parade earlier, and today is the day of filming here in Florida. It's a beautiful day too. It's going to be a perfect day for that. Um, and David will be driving the coach with Gloria Austin's four white horses right down Main Street and doing the parade today. It will be his first time driving this coach and uh, the first time driving down Main Street with the crowd. He's had some practice before it opens in the mornings a couple days. They got to practice with the horses down there, but it's a little different than when you have 100,000 people lining the parade route. So, He's uh, wow. going to get to do that today. We can't wait to hear how it goes. I posted a picture of him on the on the coach. Uh, it looks like like in a warehouse someplace getting ready, and that was this morning. So we should be seeing more pictures shortly, and I will definitely post them on the driving radio show and also Horses in the Morning. What fun. How fun. And, uh, and, you know, I was thinking about a song for today, and after we heard the story we just heard, you know, about uh, about these two and, and the selfless act of donating a kidney so that a fellow rider can keep riding, I thought, what a better song than Templeton Thompson singing Beautiful Day. It just fits so perfectly.
That's Beautiful Day by Templeton Thompson. You can find all of her music at templetonthompson.com. Well, Karen, we are coming up on another interview here. Tell us uh, who's coming up with us. Well, next we have Susie Schomburg, who um, is an AERC board member. She's also the chairman of the Rules Committee, and she's going to be reviewing the new rules that just went into effect on December 1st. There's eight new rules, and this is uh, Susie Schomburg. Good morning, Susie. Thank you for joining us on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Karen. Thanks for having me. Great. I know everybody's going to really appreciate learning about the new rules and what they are. Let's start with the first one about the age of the horse. Explain that a little bit to us. Okay. Well, the first the rule dealing with the age of the horse is only going to affect uh, horses that are entered into one-day, 100-mile rides. Uh, prior to the new rule, a horse needed to be five, 60 months of age or five years old in order to compete in 100. And uh, the vet committee, and of course, many people feel like that's uh, young to be taking a horse on what we consider to be our most difficult event. And so the rule now says that the horse has to be 72 months of age in order to be entered into a 100-mile one-day ride. It only affects the one-day 100-mile rides. Okay, that's a good one. And then the next one is talking about um, body condition scoring. Um, Explain that one. 
Okay. Um, the body condition score uh, rule is based on the body condition scoring system, which is used by veterinarians around the country, uh, but mostly in animal cruelty and abuse uh, situations where you basically are looking at a horse in terms of what is considered to be too thin. Um, and then, of course, also the other side of that is too fat, in, in a, particularly in, our, in an athletic endeavor like ours. And so the vet committee has had uh, some concerns that um, in recent years they've been seeing horses showing up at rides who are either extremely thin and in, in some cases would actually almost um, be borderline cruelty situations as opposed and also horses that are too fat and crusty necked and obese. And so starting a race, uh, even a limited distance race, they're asking themselves, uh, they're putting the horses in jeopardy. Basically. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody shows up for an endurance race with a super fatty? <laughs> yes. Well, sometimes they do, particularly limited really? distance, because you get new people sometimes who maybe don't know. Or we have a tendency, you know, in, the, in America to think what we think is fit is lots of times fat. And it's probably mm. one of the biggest problems for horses. And the biggest issue is, is that veterinarians have always had the ability to not start a horse that they had concerns about. That has been in the rules since day one. But, of course, we know we have lots of new veterinarians and you have new ride managers. And so some vets were concerned about whether or not they acted because it wasn't in the rules, that they couldn't say, uh, you can't start this because it's against the rules. And so a horse has to meet the standard. They have to be, they can't be less than three. And and three is thin by most people's standards. Yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah is obese. I mean, mm-hmm. eight, eight is your crusty neck fat horse that's got fat on its you know, back line and, and uh, tail, and, and so one that most people would do that. But, but amazingly, there are the occasions, and, and there have been a few instances where those horses have gotten in trouble, and they wanted to be able to prevent that right. from happening. And I think the other thing is it's also intended to educate riders. Um, Karen's been around long enough. I know that um, probably, and I have too, because I remember when I very first started the sport, you saw a lot of really, really thin horses, and, mm-hmm. and I think it was bothersome to people. And and people don't that doesn't reflect well on our sport. And and we've already learned that horses that carry more weight, um, not being fat, but horses that carry more weight do better in the sport because they have those reserves uh, to continue on. Right. Well, so, I'm glad they so don't have this for standard. I'm glad they don't have this for riders, or I'd be out. Uh, Pardon me. So oh, glad yeah, they don't so. have the riders or I'd be out. <laughs> no. Just. no, no, no. We we don't do that. Just the horses. Okay, so, all right. But but it is a standard scoring system, and so there is going to be some education that'll take place. But even the new rider card actually has the code with a description of what each number means. So even a veterinarian who isn't completely familiar can look at that and go, oh, okay, I know what these mean in each category, and I can identify where this horse fits in. And our, the next rule includes um, all distances of rides. They must have checkpoints and holds. Actually, this is a one that there, there's always been a rule that has required that there be a, uh, a checkpoint, that horses be je- uh, checked at the beginning and during and at the end of a ride. But there was some question among, uh, I guess there had been some question among ride managers to whether or not that really meant that you had to have a hold and a vet check sometime in the course of a ride, uh, particularly mm-hmm. one that was a limited distance ride. 
So this is really just a rule that clarifies that and says, yes, you must have at least one checkpoint and a hold during any ride that is 25 miles or more. Does it specify how long the hold needs to be? It does not specify that, but it does specify that it has to be a hold of some kind. Okay, because I'm sure you've done rides like I have where the weather's been really bad and the vets will shorten the hold time. Right. And and that's why we wouldn't put that because, once again, the veterinarian always has the power to make that decision about what is going to be the best uh, for the horses. But this is it, this is just basically to make sure that at least there is some type of hold and that horses okay. are being checked at least once in a limited distance ride or more. Good. And the next one is uh, talking about the time to meet criteria. How How is that going to work? Okay. Um, of course, I think most people who've been in the sport know that there has been a push to make the standard uh, a 30-minute pulse criteria for completion at the end of a ride. And uh, about which, three years ago... Which, wait, hold had, on, hold on. Which means what? When they come in, they, they do the pulse, and then 30 minutes later, they do the pulse again. Uh, they have the full 30 minutes, yes. They don't... Okay. They don't uh, depend, you know, rides um, are operated a little bit different across the country, The how they go about doing it. But basically the rule says that once a horse has crossed the finish line and has been recorded as arriving into the vet check, then they have 30 minutes from that time period to reach pulse criteria. Um, this has, it has, up until this point in time, it has been uh, up to the, the ride manager uh, in conjunction with the control judge to make the determination about whether that'll be 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour sometime in between. That's what the old rule required. This now makes it a 30 minute criteria, except there are, uh, there is flexibility for situations where a finish line is a very far distance from the vet check. Um, there are some rides due to just the logistics that that's the case. And in that case, the ride manager does still have some flexibility to ex- uh, extend that time from 30 minutes. But 30 minutes is basically becoming right. is going to become the standard. Um, it's also, an, as once again, the head that always has the right, if the weather's particularly hot or if you have some, if there's some circumstance um, that is a veterinary reason for extending it, they've always had that right and they still do. But this is basically that 30 minutes is going to become the standard except in, in distant finish lines. Okay, and our next one involves setting up or having available a triage plan. Explain that one. Okay, up until this point in time, there's never been a requirement that there be any treatment or uh, initial triage available for any horses who may um, either be injured or suffer metabolic problems at a ride. Um, That's, of course, been a concern of veterinarians, and it's also a concern of riders because I think most riders have voiced that they want to know that if they have a problem, that there's somebody, you know, there is some way that they can get help. And Mm -hmm. so this new rule basically requires that all ride managers set up a, a plan and it has to be one of four options. It can't be, you know, something that they just come up with that they think will work. It needs to meet one of the four options. And, um, we didn't, the, the board did not want to make a rule that required a treatment bed at every ride or something like that because we know we have small rides across the country that couldn't couldn't possibly afford to have two veterinarians mm-hmm. and, uh, at their ride. And so what this does is it requires the ride manager, when they sanction the ride, to create a plan uh, that will provide 
treatment for uh, the availability of treatment for people who are entering that ride. And there are four options, and the first one is that, of course, they can hire have a uh, treatment veterinarian on lo- available on uh, site, and that that's all they're going to do. Um, it could be a control judge who is working, but then can change hats and use um, and become a treatment veterinarian. Um, and or the other two options are that they could, it, like that would work for small rides is that there would be a um, a veterinarian available that is on call that could be there in a short period of time to provide treatment or a clinic that riders could take their horse to in order to be. And all of these are not just, oh, there's a vet clinic down the road. That's all we're writing down. It really requires that the vet, that the ride manager make arrangements with them and have contacted them and make sure that they are prepared to treat horses if that's, a nece- if that's necessary. That's great. Okay, on to the next one is recovery pulse rate at the finish. Tell us about oh, that one. Didn't we just do that one? The 30 minutes? No, that was 30 minutes. Now it's the pulse uh, rate from 68 to oh, 64. Oh, dropping. Oh, Sorry. oh the, yeah, recovery, very, the recovery rate. Similar. Oh, okay. Yeah, they go okay, hand the re- in hand. Okay, the old rule said that horses had to, their final pulse rate needed to be 68 beats per minute. Um, the new rule has dropped that to 64 beats as a... Uh, so 64 beats within 30 minutes, um, and the reason being for that, most uh, veterinary uh, veterinarians can believe that that's a, a reasonable pulse for horses that have not been overexerted. Uh, as always, the control judge can, in extreme weather conditions, change that if they believe that that's too extreme and that it'll prevent horses from completing if they are still be re- being ridden within their their limits. Okay, and the the final one um, covers low dose omeprazole. Tell us about that. Oh, uh, well, the low dose omeprazole is one of the is basically allowing um, horses to use omeprazole, which is a drug that is used for horses that are prone to ulcers, and. Up until this point in time, the AARC drug rule prevented horses from having uh, omeprazole in their system um, because I believe that the, uh, the period of time when it would test would, was like 72 hours. But evidence has shown that horses that compete in multi-day rides, which are rides of three to five days, or in long-distance 100-mile uh, rides, actually can develop ulcers while at the event. And so the veterinary committee wants to be able to allow omeprazole in those situations, um, such as multi-day rides, um, where, where you have a horse that would uh, need that in order to prevent them from developing those ulcers that might cause a problem later. Okay. Well, great. This, these all sound like a great set of new rules that will hopefully be helpful for our horses. We appreciate you coming on and telling us about them. And I wanted to say one more thing about the omeprazole. If you have a okay. question that's one of those areas, it doesn't mean that everybody can use omeprazole at all times, anytime. Um, and right. I think if you have if you have a horse that you're using that and you feel that that's a necessity, you really should contact your uh, veterinarian. And also, you may, if you have questions, you should contact the veterinary committee um, to ask to make sure that that what you're doing is in fact within the rules. Right. Right, because it is a drug, and there could be side effects, so you want to, you know, not overdo it and only use it if you really, you know, believe in your vet, thinks it's going to be helpful for your horse. Definitely. 
Absolutely. Good. Well, well, thank you, and have a great day. Okay, you bet. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Susan. Bye-bye. So it sounds like, Karen, that you agree with most of the rule changes this year? Did we lose Karen? Uh, Jennifer, are you there? I'm here. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure if we lost Karen or if she's still there. Karen or left. She, uh, did Karen leave the building? I don't know. She might have. <laughs> she might have gotten cut off like we talked about. Uh, or, Karen, you put yourself on mute, uh, one or the other. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. You were listening to the rule changes there. What did you think? Um, they all seem to make good sense. It sounds like a lot, they're not really making any sweeping, oh, my gosh, moment rule changes. It sounds like a lot of tweaking uh, to make things a little clearer so there are fewer gray areas. And that's something that any discipline, as it grows and expands, has to deal with because the more you, you want to constantly, constantly expand and bring new people into your sport, but as you do that, a higher percentage of your uh, members and or competitors are not going to know the rules very thoroughly. So by making that stuff a little bit clearer, I think that's a great idea to help folks who are new to the sport understand exactly what's going on and, and what's allowed and what's not. Well, you are listening back. to horses. Oh, you're back. There you are. Okay, you I did get I cut, off. cut off. I was, I was talking, <laughs> just nobody could hear me. <laughs> hey, if we made it through the show with only one host getting cut off today, we're doing good. We had a profitable, <laughs> successful day. Uh, you know, we didn't all get cut off at the same time, so that's leaving a guest stranded. So that's good. Well, good. Uh, let's do real quick here. You have a lot of dates coming up. We do. We've got, well, the AERC National Convention is coming up on March 6th and 7th. So if, if you're interested in attending that, now's the time to book your flights and reserve a room at the Grand Sierra Resort in Reno. Um, we've also got many endurance clinics coming up that are being um, hosted all around the country. There's several of them, which is a great—it's a great way to to get intro- an introduction to the sport. You can go and meet some new people, learn about the sport. Um, we'll start with the first one, January 17th and 18th, is an endurance 101 and a Beyond the Basics clinic in Parksburg, Pennsylvania, in the Northeast. On the same dates, there's a Sarah convention up to Southeast Endurance Riders in Atlanta, Georgia. January 23rd to 5th, there's an Endurance 101 and an advanced clinic in Conroe, Texas, the central region. January 31st and February 1st, an Endurance 201 two-day clinic in Riverside, California, the Pacific South region. February 7th, an Endurance 101 clinic in Tule, Utah, the mountain region. February 21st, Endurance 101 in Vermont, the northeast. February 21st, Olympia, Washington, that's in the northwest. March 21st and 22nd, Ontario, Canada, that's a 101 and a 201 clinic. The same dates, March 21st in Ramona, California, a 101 clinic, which is in conjunction with an ACTHA ride, and and that's Pacific South. And I think maybe on the next show we'll talk about the um, ACTHA group and the rides and events that they do. Um, April 25th in Ramona, California, there's an Endurance 101 and a 201 plus um, Beyond the Basics clinic, and that's Pacific South. So to find out more information on any of these clinics or the ride schedule, 
go to AERC.org. Very good. A lot going on here. That's for sure. And, of course, yes. you know, we we have the holidays coming up, and uh, we'll all be hopefully getting a ride or two in over the holidays. I know uh, it's the time of year when Jennifer and I actually get to take a little bit of time off, which is kind of nice. I wanted to remind everybody that tomorrow morning, Jamie will be back. And then on Thursday morning, we have Mary Kitzmiller for her first once-a-month appearance here on the show. Of course, Mary has been a Road to the Horse competitor and is again this year. She's a uh, she, she's one of the most well-known uh, trainers in, in, the, uh, in the country as far as, uh, you know, breaking colts and uh, starting horses and training them on up through the – through the western side of the world, and we love Mary. She's been a guest here on the show many times, has played uh, trivia with us many times, and is terrific at it. We just love having her here, so I can't wait to do that show with her on Thursday. That'll be her first time out. You remember what your first time was like. Well, Mary gets to go through that on Thursday. Okay. Well, I remember I didn't even have a microphone yet, and I was using my cell phone. And I know. I, uh, had to hold my cell phone to my ear for an hour and a half. <laughs> and you might have been at a show too that first time. Actually, you might I have been at I your camper. Was at a ride, yes, <laughs> yeah. a couple of times. You might have been sitting at your camper that first time, but it's a little nerve wracking when you first do the show. But I think Mary's going to do great. She's been on the show a number Good. of times as a guest, and that show is going to be all about training. She's going to have guests on, and that's what we're going to be talking about is uh, getting the baby started and, and, you know, training horses. So that's that's what that's going to be about once a month, and we're very excited to add that to the lineup. Well, Karen, let's say goodbye for today. Thank you so much for bringing some terrific guests, and as I said, one of my favorite interviews of the whole year there uh, Good. that we did earlier. I think that's that's a lot of fun. It was fun. Thank you. All right, what's your website, Karen? Tell everybody. Um, just my name, KarenChatton.com, and my blog is called Endurance Ride Stuff. Endurance Ride Stuff is where you'll find uh, Karen's blog. It's the reason I found her in the first place with that blog, because I went over and I was reading it, and I went, we got to have her on the show. So that's how we, we found <laughs> Karen. So you need to check it out if you're at all interested in endurance riding. And, of course, you can find all the past episodes of our show at HorsesInTheMorning.com, and all the past episodes that Karen have done are over there, too. You can find us on our app, and that is at iOS or Android. By the way, the app just had an update. So if you haven't updated your apps lately, you'll find that there's been one for the the Horse Radio Network app. We adjusted the shows around to the ones that are current and the ones that have dropped off. And also, we have made some adjustments to the Android app to make it easier to refresh and to do a couple other things on the Android app. So we we did some tweaking. The listeners had some input into that, and we were happy to make those changes. And that's about it for today. We'll all be back here tomorrow, except for Karen. She'll be back next month. You have a terrific holiday. Merry Christmas, Karen. You too. Talk to you next year. 2015, hard to believe. Where did the decade go? I know. (laughs) Halfway through already. (laughs) 